This is Many Lamps in the Room, a podcast by and for New City Church in Vienna, Virginia. This week, Mark and I will conclude our discussion about the book Faith-Based Youth Ministry, and Mark will make the case for why it's so beneficial for all of us to buy into its proposed model of thinking of the church as an extended family. Before we get to that, however, we always like to start our podcast with a brief discussion about the catechism question from this Sunday's liturgy. What does God require in the 6th, 7th, and 8th commandments? 6th, that we do not hurt or hate or be hostile to our neighbor, but be patient and peaceful, pursuing even our enemies with love. 7th, that we abstain from sexual immorality and live purely and faithfully, whether in marriage or in single life, avoiding all impure actions, looks, words, thoughts, or desires, and whatever might lead to them. Eighth, that we do not take without permission that which belongs to someone else, nor withhold any good from someone we might benefit. I think one way we can explain these commandments with our kids is that God made every single person special and important. And God thinks our commitments and relationships are also really important. And God also thinks every person's concerns and cares and resources are important. And if we cared about and honored each of these things just as God cares about them, things would be beautiful. Everyone would be kind and loyal and considerate and respectful. We would be in harmony with each other and also giving glory to God. These are good things. But that is really hard because we are not God. And many times we don't trust God. And so often we don't make the people around us as important as they really are. Or we break our promises. Or we only focus on what we want. And that may even feel right to us in the moment, but actually it may be wrong. A good way to discuss this is with stories. Fables are really ideal for this, but any story really will have characters making choices that you can then talk about. One framework I often recommend for these discussions is the four M's. This is something I learned through a seminar I took at Lorian Wood, which is a local Christian private school in Vienna. Um, And they integrate into the, the curriculum the four M's. You take something that's happened and you ask what is matched up with God's design here, what is messed up here, what doesn't align with God's design, What is God's message to us about this? And then lastly, what is then my mission and response? So that's a little script that you can apply all the time to help kids think about what God wants and how we can better obey him. This 
method, you might say, advocates for this immersive experience where you are building those relationships between kids and parents or adults mm. in general. Mm. That seems to be the largest predictor, largest indicator that this child will grow up and stick with the faith, but also be successful in life. That only works if you see the church as being that kind of resource for you. I can also see how for a, I can also see how parents can come to church and instead of seeing faces that are loving and supportive and giving that instead they might see faces that are fairly or unfairly they might see faces that are judgmental hmm. yeah that are evaluating that are legalistic hmm. and if you come to church yeah. and you feel actually unsafe mm -hmm. or anxious because you're worried about you know how are my kids being perceived Right, yeah. Am I, you know, being a good enough Christian? Yeah. Am I doing all that I, that I can as a parent compared to these other parents that mm -hmm. I see around me? Yeah. You know, that's not helpful. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that, I think that's where, when we're thinking about doing this, it can't just be parents. Mm. It really has to be everyone. Mm. But even when it comes down to it, it's, you know, if there's so many people in church that are putting on a show, mm. they want to look good in front of others and put together. Again, if you understand f church's family, you don't put on a show for your own family. They know who you they are see at home. They through you. Yeah. Right. But, so, but it's also kind of, you know, have we created an environment where people can be vulnerable, when people can be who they are, sinners yeah. in need of grace. And then we come around them to love them mm. and support them. Then it can be it could be a place where you know people can trust and people can grow in that way. But yeah, like you said, it's a huge challenge. Because we only talked about the challenge that the parents themselves might be going through. But when we're talking about the extended family itself and the challenge we have of how do we actually become good extended family to others? Mm. It, it, the book will kind of goes into that, but that is a challenge that is very real, mm. is that we can say, parents, this is what you ought to do. But if there is no network, if there is no extended family that actually feels like family, mm. then who are these parents going to really be able to rely on and trust? And so... Yes, it's parents need this, but everyone else needs this too because it doesn't just benefit parents. Mm. If we're talking about our Christian faith, again, there's so many different ways that the Apostle Paul kind of talks about the Christian faith and Christian walk, a walk, right? A journey, a battle, a race, mm. you know, you know, like an athletic event where you're challenging and competing. But again, I kind of, keep going back to this idea um, and that one sermon series that we had about running the race together and that we're not trying to outpace one another mm. 
but we're trying to help each other cross that finish yeah. line. It's kind of the, that, you know, those feel-good story. I forget what it was. I think it was like an Olympic event or something where one of the runners either pulled a leg muscle and couldn't finish the race. And his father ran onto the field and they carried him to the end. Mm. What would have made a better story is if the other runners had stopped and come back and carried him to the end. But Mm. the idea is that if we're supposed to carry one another till the end, Mm. it's not about, see ya, I'm doing good in my Christian walk. Mm. I'll see you at the end. But how can we help one another finish? And that's kind of the, the idea here is that that this extended Christian family is supposed to come around and support these families with children so that we could all finish that race together. Mm. Mm. And so it's buying in. It is sacrificing your time, Mm. your energy, your money, Mm. so that we can make that happen. Mm. And that means you don't get to do some of the things that you want to do. You know, it means that maybe you have to go volunteer at something that you don't want to. Maybe it's, I'm not that good with children, but I should because I love them and they are my family. And, you know, there's so many other parents who are tired, right? Like they are raising their own children and the idea of volunteering to help more children does not sound appealing whatsoever they need a break right and it's totally understandable so it's how do we come around them so that they feel supported and they can keep going and that's again the power of this extended christian family when done right they offer so much benefit to the nuclear families that it enables those families and those parents to do their very basic job as parents of parenting their children and raising their children in the Christian faith. Mm. And so this last kind of thing, you know, we kept talking about this extended Christian family and the way that the book actually defines it is a community of believers who affirm and encourage growth towards Christian maturity. And so it's just any community in which there are believers who are affirming and encouraging growth towards Christian maturity. So it doesn't necessarily have to be the church. But like I said, sometimes the church is the only place where they are able to do this. And really, the power of this comes because it is one of the only lifelong nurturing Mm. structures in a person's life. Mm. If you don't move, you will be raised in a church and you will be buried in a church. No, well, not literally in a church, but yeah, from birth till death, technically, it would that church, if you attend the same church, will be there. Mm-hmm. Now, if you move or if you go somewhere else, then yes, it's not there. But it's this idea that there aren't many other structures, many other organizations that in your there. life that are there for you from, from the very beginning until the moment that you die. Yeah. The, the church itself is one of these rare structures that is able to be there. And this offers so much stability, especially when you're thinking about in this world, there's so much upheaval. Yeah. There's so much change yeah. that when you can have some stability in your life, if there's something that offers stability, it is a lifeline. And so that's kind of one of the biggest benefits of yeah. the church. I'll say that I've come, the older that I get, I've come to believe that the boringness of church is actually 
one of its greatest strengths. (laughs) I grew up, you know, in youth ministries that wanted to be more and more exciting, you know, novel, you know, get on the latest trends. I remember taking a field trip up to Willow Creek Church Mm -hmm. that our, our youth pastor sort of took us on this trip to see what Willow Creek was doing. And they had like a grunge rock band <laughs> for, you know, doing part of the their youth night. And and I I just love that we that we have a very boring church. Yeah. And I think that's actually one of the things that's interesting is when you th- when you talk to an adult Christian and you ask them about their faith journey, most people do not point to an event. They don't point to a program. They don't point to, again, yeah, this creative, exciting thing. Most point to a person, and it's a relationship, whether it was their parents or, like we mentioned, or a mentor or someone that was older or someone that was there that walked with them or took the time to talk to them about faith. They usually go back to that. Like I I think back even on my own spiritual walk and i would say my mom was a huge influence in my life i had good retreats and all these things but you know my mom instilled first the fear of god in me mm-hmm. but i would say if my mom didn't emphasize all those things yeah i don't know where i would be today and i think that will be the same for most people is that when they think back they're like oh yeah there was this you know older Christian brother or sister, or it was, again, their pastor, or maybe it was someone from the church, or yeah, like a youth pastor, or their parents. It was a relationship with someone that really affected their faith. Mm. And that's where it kind of comes back to is that when we're building these extended Christian families that are coming around the nuclear families, we are increasing the likelihood that our children will run into someone that will be a good spiritual mentor yeah. to them. Yeah. Like eventually you'll hit someone, right? Eventually you'll meet someone. <laughs> whereas if you're rarely ever in church, you're rarely ever around other Christian adults, yeah. the likelihood of them finding someone might be less. But the more and more they're interacting with other adults, the more likely they'll find someone that will be a mentor to them and a lasting one. Mm-hmm. And again, one of the statistics they're talking about is they're looking through a whole bunch of different factors of what makes a child stick with their faith. Mm. And they looked at so many different things, churches, retreats, like all these different things. And they said the one factor that kind of stayed the same, and I think they said it was like 90% of the time it was predictive of a child's outcome was the presence of mentors. Mm. If a child had a mentor, again, like 90% of the time, they would stick with their faith. Mm. And they did caveat like six mentors. So it's a lot of mentors. But the more mentors it seems that you have Mm. that walk with you in your life, Mm. the higher chance it is that you will stick with it. But it makes sense. When you're talking about the Christian life and the walk, it's so challenging Mm. that if you're trying to do it alone, I think most people would want to give up. But when you have all these people that are pouring into your life 
and investing in you, again, the likelihood of you succeeding increases. And I would say, you know, you can apply this to many areas of life. Like if you're doing sports and you have a whole bunch of mentors, if you're in a business and you have a mentor, like the chances of you becoming successful are so much higher. And again, it's the same thing when it comes down to spiritual formation. And then they had another study about resiliency in children. And so they did a whole bunch of research of basically, you know, not everyone has the same opportunity to grow up in a family that is nurturing and loving and kind. And so they're taking all these different kinds of children that are in a whole bunch of different situations, broken, abusive, however you might say, you're saying, how do these people make it? Hmm. Like, what are the factors that you find in common with these children that are resilient and are able to endure and they are able to make it out of that situation. And the single predictor for resiliency in children was the presence of an adult mentor outside the immediate family. Mm. So again, outside of the nuclear family. Mm. So they, an example they gave was like even a grandmother or grandparent, mm. but just some other adult in their lives increase that child's likelihood of succeeding in life. Yeah. And that's huge. And again, it shows that, yes, you may not be blood-related to this person, mm. but if we are extended family and you're able to really connect, invest in a child's life, you have just increased their likelihood to succeed in life. Not only, you might say, like secular sense, mm. but you have also increased their likelihood to succeed in their spiritual life, mm. that their chances of reaching mature Christian adulthood is that much better because yeah. you spent the time to invest in that one child's yeah. life. I kind of feel like an infomercial that you see where they're like, if you only spend 25 cents a month, <laughs> you will help this. But yeah, it's this call that you, you know, us as adults in a church, like our relationships with children. Yeah really matter it's not just the sunday school leaders mm. teachers mm. volunteers mm. everyone it matters so much that they relate to and they invest in children yeah. that are around them yeah. it's good for your soul first of all it keeps you accountable but clearly statistically speaking it's such a strong argument for it mm. and so it's kind of again it could puts the onus on the church family the extended church Christian church family of, are you building these kind of relationships, mm. you know? So at first we put a lot of emphasis on parents mm -hmm. and now we're putting a lot of emphasis on the other adults in the church, mm -hmm. whether you are a parent yourself right. or if you're a single, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't say only parents affect. It says any, any adult outside of the immediate family, yeah. if you are a mentor, you increase that child's likelihood of sticking with the faith. And it's, that's such a huge thing. On February 17th, the Children's Ministry is hosting a movie night on The Wing Feather Saga, the children's epic written by Andrew Peterson and now in animated form. Not only will kids watch it together, but Mark will lead them in a short discussion to draw out its resonances with the gospel. Again, it will be on Friday... February 17th, from 7 to 9 p.m. And 
the last thing that I, I kind of want to emphasize here is, again, statistics are very convincing. And again, this is just an example of why the extended family, i.e. the church, yeah. can be so impactful. An example they gave was the extended family, actually blood-related extended families, play a large role or have a huge impact on children's ability to thrive. But they said that in recent times, this extended family is shrinking, meaning there are people that are living apart from their extended families more and more. So where the nuclear family is, there is no immediate family right. that surrounds them. Right, and right. you know, if you go around talking to people in our church, you find that to be true. Yeah. Not many of them actually live near any of any any relative. Right. And so it's saying that these extended families and networks are shrinking and that means that children are being cut off from these extended families. And again, that one of the things that they said was in the 1940s, grandparents were full-time active members of 60 to 70% of families. Hmm. So again, the majority of families, you could say, had grandparents who were active in yeah. their family. Yeah. They say today, less than this now, because this book was released a little while ago, but it says only 2% of families have grandparents as resources. Hmm. That's went from 60 to 70 to 2, mm -hmm. and probably less now. So, and again, if you're listening and, and you're all about academics, listen to this statistics. It says children who have regular connection with their grandparents, they saw statistically had better academic achievement. Hmm. So for all of you people out there <laughs> who want to see your children succeed, it says grandparents help. I don't know. They didn't spell exactly what their grandparents are doing. But again, the emphasis is this extended family is benefiting the children and the nuclear family hmm. greatly because they are acting as resources. There are more adults that are interacting with your children. Yeah. But again, because that extended family is shrinking and shrinking and more and more people are not living around them, that's where, again, the church can step in because we are this new family, right? We're not just substituting for them, but we are this extended family for them. Yeah. That we, by being present in these families' lives, in these children's lives, we can greatly benefit them because, again, we're, we're able to do the things that their extended family aren't able to do because they're not a, near them. And yeah. so, again... He is relating two different things. He's he's saying the extended family has such a huge impact, but this extended family is, is shrinking. But that's where the church can kind of really step in. And we as a, this extended family can have such a great impact on these people's lives. And again, it's kind of like the example that I gave with Avery and I when Avery gave birth and our parents were able to come. But one of the other great things was you know, our church is so good with supporting new moms mm. where as, as soon as there's news that a baby is born or probably even before, there is a meal train sign up that goes out and it fills up super quick. Mm. And again, it's these, it's these family members in our church who are taking the time to make us food or send us food. And it was such a big benefit because mm. all the energy and all the lack of sleep, yeah. just having food ready where we didn't have to think about it was such a help. Yeah. But that's kind of what it's talking about, what that 
when you have a church that is able to surround you, yeah, it's such a great benefit, just even practically speaking. <laughs> but then on the spiritual side, that when you have all these people that are enforcing, encouraging, investing in your child, you know that they are, without a doubt, being surrounded by faithful men and women. Even if there's areas that you might be lacking, like we kind of discussed, yeah. this extended family can make up for some of those deficits because there's a ton of people that have different talents. And you kind of pointed this out too. Like there are many different kinds of adults, yeah. right? Like sometimes you don't, you know, I'll, I'll speak from experience that sometimes you don't even realize the deficits that you have. Yeah. You might actually think, oh, I'm doing pretty good at this. But then, you know, to see that your kids are exposed to people of different talents and yeah. different backgrounds and, and different strengths and different ways of dealing with things, yeah. you know, different attitudes about stuff, you know, that's a, you know, that rubs off on not only the kids, but on you as well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I definitely feel like I've, I've become more wise, mm -hmm. more mellow yeah. <laughs> as a parent just by rubbing shoulders with other parents who are, you know, some some have been better parents mm -hmm. and, and have definitely been role models. Others have just been different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And and to 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 get that kind of exposure has been helpful not just to my kids, but to me. Yeah. And again, the, one of the different types of parents the book kind of talks about, the way that they do it is like they relate them to different kinds of different types of dogs. Uh, There's like a pit bull, right. terriers, golden retrievers, and sheep dogs. And you can kind of already think, oh, some of these dogs naturally have certain characteristics that are very different from one another. <laughs> and so he's saying like there's you know, certain parents that are, are like pit bulls. And even as soon as I said that, in your mind, you're probably already imagining Oh, yeah, there's that one person that's like Super this. Super loyal, but aggressive. Yeah. Just say you are a golden retriever kind of parent. You're open. You're just yeah, happy-go-lucky. Energetic. Yeah. Enthusiastic. Maybe you need someone that's a little bit more skeptical. Yeah. Right? Or maybe you need someone that's a little bit more disagreeable or antagonistic that pushes the buttons a little because you're just too agreeable. <laughs> yeah. And so it's even as a parent... It's, oh, maybe I should be more like this because you're not going to have everything right. And yeah. to assume that you're going to do everything right is, you know, you it's it's too much hubris you're, yeah. to believe that you've got everything. And, and so when you have all these other people around you that are very talented yeah. and are skilled or have more experience, it's good. And again, it's a good resource. It doesn't mean you have to take everyone's advice. But at least it helps you actually self-critique yourself. Because when you see another person do something, you're like, oh, that's interesting. I would never have thought to do that. Maybe I should. Now, it shouldn't be carried away where you're looking at everyone else and you're like, oh, I'm a terrible parent and not doing anything right. But it gives you some perspective to have because, yeah, maybe that parent is more like this. And I'm glad that person is in my child's life mm. because I am too agreeable. They need to learn to, you know. <laughs> and so it's just... Some of that comes out. And I think that's the thing with Avery and I. We're both super agreeable people. Mm. We don't like to push back and we don't like to be disagreeable, <laughs> which is okay. But we're finding out our little girl seems to be very assertive. So 
it would be very bad for us to just be super agreeable <laughs> to her. Right? Like, that super permissive, right? And so it's being around other parents that are able to give us advice, and and uh, it's it's beneficial again, but it's also beneficial for these children to be around other parents that are not like us, yeah. and it gives them a good perspective about different people too. So. That's kind of the the last hurrah for this discussion of family-based worship or ministry is that just to kind of sum it all up, our many challenges that face our children, face us as adults, the culture around us is pulling us and tugging us, our past, our history, our families of origin do the same thing, Mm. our spouses do that too. And there's such a great challenge when we're talking about for parents trying to raise their children. Mm. It's a huge challenge. And it's we, we're not trying to sit here and critique everyone for being immature and helpless, but it's I feel like everyone was, right? Mm. There's no one that's born and is a mature Christian. And there's no one that's born that's just fully experienced veteran parent. Mm. We were all immature parents. We were all helpless parents at some point. But by the grace of God that he has surrounded us with people that can help nurture us and nurture our children so that they can grow up in faith. Mm. And so having that understanding and saying, hey, let's actually try to do church this way, Mm. where our ministries are family-based, where we can integrate that into our lives because that's how our normal lives are, Mm. that we can see that there are inherent benefits and dangers for having kids on their own, right? Mm. They do need to be with their peers and grow in those kind of relationships, but when they're just on their own and isolated, they're not able to mature and grow. And so like looking at all these things and saying what we need really, and again, statistically speaking, is adults to be around kids, to build relationships with them, Mm. not just a passing conversational kind of relationship Mm. where you're just saying, hey, so-and-so, and and then that's it. Mm. But really talking with them, investing in them, and knowing that that pays off dividends in that child's life. So if we're able to do that in all of what we do, you know, then again, it kind of gets back to our desire as parents to raise our children in faith. We see that language even when we baptize our children. When we ask the church members to make this vow to support parents in the Christian endeavor of nurturing their children to faith, that's exactly what we're talking about. We have made those vows already, and now it's more of what does that look like? What do we do in order to do that? And again, this method you might say advocates for this immersive experience where you are building those relationships between kids and parents or adults Mm. in general Mm. that seems to be the largest predictor largest indicator that this child will grow up and stick with the faith but also be successful in life Mm. and so the implications are so many Right. But it's just, I'll just name a few things really quick, quick fire for children's events or student ministry events. I would encourage parents to just be involved. Yeah. Go and hang out with them. Mm. I know it's, it's easy to drop kids off because, again, you're tired and you want to have your own time. 
And I understand that I do too, but again, it benefits them so much. Not, not even just your own kids, but other kids in the church, just spend time with them, right? Do an event together with them, talk with them. That's one example. I, I would, I would like to jump in and say it's possible to be present at an event without having to be, you know, like fully on yeah. with kids. And I think that's actually okay. Yeah. I think that's great that you can be a warm body yeah. that's around, that's has kids in your peripheral vision. You don't have to be you don't have to be doing magic tricks for them. Yeah. You don't have to be, you know, like just constantly just being around, yeah. you know, and being yourself and talking with other adults, you know, and and that's fine. Yeah. That's good. You know, you don't, it doesn't have to be everything oriented to the kids. Right. You don't have to roll around on the ground with them. <laughs> but even on the sideline, if you're able to yell out, good roll, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like encouraging them, knowing that you're there for them. Again, it's such a great benefit. Yeah. And, and that's a lot easier to do when there's lots of other right. adults there too. Or, you know, just another example would be, you know, we, again, when we talk about family ministry in our church, it's. It's anything that deals with relationships among the church folk. So it's men's ministry, women's ministry, children's ministry, student ministry, like all of that. It's all considered family ministry. But like, yeah, at a men's event, it's usually just men, Mm -hmm. which is good because you want to build relationships with men. But one way to integrate it is have like a a father and son event Mm -hmm. where you bring your sons to an event same thing with women's ministry have a mother and daughter event where you bring them out it's just one way again to have them be a part of your life and expose them to other healthy good christian men and women Mm -hmm. and again you can kind of look across the board at different ministries even our like liturgy right when we're talking about our worship and our singing like integrating that into it one of the things i wasn't able to experience but during the christmas eve service i was out of town but one of the things that i was kind of in charge of was trying to find different readers for the different passages but i was trying to integrate children and teenagers into it too because it's to say you're a part of this church so your voice is heard and and, that was great right so like again that's one way that you can get them involved and get them feeling like you're not forgotten. You're yeah. not just anonymous, but you are important and you have a role too. Yeah. And so it's just these little ways of doing that where kids feel like their presence is felt. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, like anyone out there would say like when you feel ignored and when you feel like like no one would miss you if yeah. you weren't sure, it's, it's not a great feeling, yeah. right? Yeah. To say the least. And so it's, even those things of just being present so that you're able to affirm a child that will pay off in so many different ways. And so these are just some examples of how we might be able to do that. But it's just, how do we do life together? How do we do life together as a family? And again, there are times where, again, you can have separate events and can do separate things, but in other events and other programs, you know, trying to emphasize like how do we do this together Mm. how do we build relationships with children and adults if you're just an adult in our church 
when you're looking at another child, yeah, do you see them in that way as your as your niece or your nephew that you would want to see them grow in faith and them grow to thrive? Are you doing your part? Mm. Okay, I'm going to make a recommendation that's going to seem a little self-serving. Um, it's to attend adult Sunday school classes. Now, I'm going to be leading one of these classes next week, and I'm not necessarily recommending that you go to that particular one, but I do recommend that you make an effort, maybe even go out of your comfort zone, to try to attend whatever opportunities the church offers, uh, an intensive, a class, a Bible study, whatever. Sunday worship is wonderful, and consistent attendance to Sunday worship is an absolute must for any believer. But it would be a mistake to believe that just attending a Sunday service checks off the box for observing the Sabbath. Really, the whole day should be devoted to switching your mode and attention so that it's just focused on resting in God. And I found it's a lot easier to do that if I'm doing stuff like attending a devotional class than if I'm left to my own devices. And our church is uniquely fortunate in that we have so many theologically learned and passionate members a number of whom have taken classes at RTS. I've taken myself a number of Sunday school classes, as many as I can, actually. <laughs> and I've enjoyed each one and learned so much from each one. Um, we haven't had many offerings since the pandemic, and our church, New City, is slowly beginning to get back into it. Honestly, um, I'm thinking we probably would be more urgent about it or make it more of a priority if we knew there was a real demand. So if you've always wanted to learn something in particular or if you just want there to be more classes in general, let one of the staff or the session know. And if you happen to be interested in attending my class, you can still register for, uh, register for it on the church website or you can just email me at tomkim77 at gmail.com. I think it'll be a fun class, and I think Mark and I plan to make the next podcast episode about it, um, just talking a little bit about its topics and subjects and what we might cover, but you don't have to wait around for us to talk about it. Just go ahead and come to the first service on Sunday, this coming Sunday, grab a snack afterwards, and then check out the class at 1045. We pray our discussion was edifying to you, and we'd love to hear any feedback. Mark's email is mark at newcityva.org. Stephen Price provided the music, and you can find more of it at almadogma.bandcamp.com. That's A-L-M-A-D-O-G-M-A dot bandcamp.com. We're recording on equipment generously donated by Sonny Kim, and you can find out more about our church at newcityva.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, watch those windows.